Welcome to the Get Your Goat Podcast. This is your host, Josh Morani. I'm here to talk to you today about sports, sports, stocks, movies, more sports. Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be here talking to you guys about all that I'm about to talk about. NFL, MVP, potential stuff for next year, NBA, what's happening with the Nets, NHL updates, Another GOAT discussion. Some stocks, movie reviews. It's going to be good. I'm looking forward to today's show. So let's get into it. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers just had their Super Bowl parade on boats. And what an occasion it was. Tom Brady to Gronk on another boat through the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, That's how much fun they're having. It looked fun. And that funness that they've had has really culminated over the last eight weeks of the season, nine weeks when they went on their 8-0 and run to win that Lombardi Trophy. That fun just exuberated in the parade and showed just how close they are, and not just how close Tom is with Gronk and with uh, his fellow offensive weapons, but to everybody on the whole team, especially on the defense as well. Shaq Barrett, Devin White, Levante David, all speaking highly of Brady. It's not just the offensive skill players or the coaches. It's everybody. Tom Brady is the GOAT. His place is cemented is the NFL GOAT in the GOAT of GOATs, at least for me. That's what it is. And another reason why is because his run that he just went on to win this Lombardi Trophy, it was the toughest road to win, and nobody pegged Tom Brady. I shouldn't say nobody. I picked him. Uh, I know Skip Bayless did, but very few people picked Tom Brady to come out of the NFC, represent, let alone win the whole thing. And why was that? Well, he faced Heineke, uh, Taylor Heineke, the back quarterback for the Washington football team. Uh, he appeared to be no scrub, and Washington gave him a decent contract uh, yesterday or today, uh, but I'm not going to tell you how great Heineke is because he's not over the worldly talent, but he played well. And then he had to face Drew Brees in the Saints, who was the Brady, or who was a Brady Bucks kryptonite the whole season. Uh, the two games against them, both blowout losses, uh, didn't look good offensively or defensively. Tom looked confused both times. They were able to get to him. Uh, they were able to pick him off, and the defense just got shellacked by Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees throwing the football, even with Michael Thomas not in there. Yeah, it was pathetic. So nobody thought that would happen. And all these games were on the road. Let me tell you, all these games were on the road. So that was in the Superdome, and they beat him. Then they went to Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers, league MVP this year, league MVP. He showed up. And outdueled the league MVP and Aaron Rodgers in his own home, in his own domain, and made it to the Super Bowl where he faced Kansas City, uh, Patrick Mahomes, two years removed from a league MVP, won the Super Bowl MVP last year against the 49ers in a great comeback fashion that he did. Uh, the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, with a, not a great defense, but a solid defense. You know, they're no joke. And he beat them all. 
he won an, an incredible postseason run, the greatest football postseason run for a quarterback to win the whole thing, I believe. Uh, Eli Manning had a comparable run, uh, beating Aaron Rodgers and company and Jim Harbaugh 49ers. That was that was tough for what he did. So I think Eli Manning has one because then he beat Tom Brady's Patriots en route to that. So I'll give him that one for sure. But to me, in recent memory, Tom Brady is the best. It was the best because uh, it was a whole team effort. The Giants were led by defense. Eli Manning was nothing out of this world, whereas Tom Brady was out of this world from a different planet. That's how good Tom Brady was. That's how good he played every single game. His decision-making is impeccable. It's the best in the game, no doubt about it. Uh, he is a GOAT. This run proved it. And they're just having fun. And then soon they'll get back to business, ready for next year. But they deserve to have fun on their Super Bowl parade because they beat the best team in the NFL, which means since they dethroned them, the Bucks are now top dogs and going to be the champions for the next year. Other news in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes underwent surgery for his turf toe uh, today, and I wish him a speedy, speedy recovery. Uh, the thing about turf toe is you don't know how players are going to come back. You know, Deion Sanders retired from a lingering turf toe injury. Uh, Julio Jones had turf toe, and he's come back, and he hasn't really looked the same off of it. Of course, corners, receivers are different with this injury because they have to kind of jump off their toe. They, they use it more than the quarterback. Uh, sometimes quarterbacks just sit back in the pocket, uh, but you never know. But then some people recover just fine. So it is nice that he's had this surgery in the offseason. Uh, they said he had to play with an extra shoe size, and they had to do these fits and tapes on his foot because it did look bad. It was against the Browns. It looked bad in the divisional round. And then the Bills, it kind of looked like it was no problem just because, you know, he was throwing slants to Tyreek Hill and screens, and they were just running up the field. So it didn't really look like a problem. So uh, I thought he would have been healthier, but it did look like it plagued him against the Bucks. So I'm happy that he is getting surgery. I hope him a speedy, well recovery, and he returns to his MVP form. I don't foresee this having that kind of detrimental effect on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but you never know with these kind of injuries. Uh, I think he's going to return just fine. He'll, I think he'll miss most of the offseason. But the thing is, I don't even need him in the offseason. I don't need him practicing, training, or anything like that. Like He could come in first week of the season, and if they lose, they lose. But just to get those game reps, game time, uh, they'll heat up into the end of the season. And the Chiefs will be just fine. The biggest thing is just making sure... Patrick Mahomes' health is 100%. That should be Andy Reid's only concern. That should be the GM Veach's only concern. Their only concern should be the health of Patrick Mahomes because without Patrick Mahomes, they are not a Super Bowl contending team at all. So we need him to be healthy, and now he is on the road to recovery to take back the crown. Other huge 
NFL star-worthy news is Russell Wilson. Why Russell Wilson? He has not formally requested a trade, but what have I read is that he's frustrated. Uh, he's pu- he spoke publicly on being frustrated with being hit too much as a quarterback uh, with the offensive line. It was reported that uh, he is frustrated with that, and he spoke his concerns publicly. They asked him if he asked for a trade or if he's available, and he said that's a Seahawks question. Wow. I, You know, there's always that 1% chance of, you know, possibility in your mind, like nothing's for sure. The NFL is a business. Whatever happens can happen. Uh, with some players, you don't expect it like Russell, but there is always that, you know, 1% chance in your mind that, you know, something crazy might happen. Now that 1% chance, to me, is up to at least 30%. I'm not giving it all the way up to 50 but it's more than a quarter. It's definitely 30 35%. This is noteworthy news. And it's noteworthy because, for many reasons... Uh, they want to let Russ cook. Russ likes cooking. He's proven he is an elite quarterback. Top five, potential top three. He's shown that, definitely showed that at the beginning of the season, the first half of the season, when he was excellent. But now they fired their offensive coordinator, who, Marty, or, uh, yeah, Shoddy, who, uh, Jodenheimer, who Russ loved. Good friend of Russ. And Pete Carroll said his philosophy is to run the football more. They want to run the football, and that's not going to change under Pete Carroll. That was the case in USC, and that's been the case his whole career in Seattle. He wants to run the football. He wants to establish a run and have a dominant running back, like he had with Marshawn Lynch in USC, like he had with uh, White and Bush. That's just who he is. That's who he is. He wants a Derrick Henry back there where he can just run down your throat uh, first and second down and then open it up on third down. Or if it's close, run the ball on third down. That's how he rolls. He's not changing. I could have told you that. Anyone could have told you that. He is not changing his philosophy anytime soon. And then also his philosophy is defense. It's a classic... He's an old-style coach, run the football, play defense. That's how Pete Carroll rolls. Uh, he wants defensive players, even though his defense is not as good as the near nowhere near close how good the Legion of Boom was. Uh, they're just mediocre at best back there. And Russell is really only this godsend for why they win games. He keeps the games close. He has game-winning drives. He's a champion. On this team, and he wants a voice like Tom Brady does, LeBron does, so many other big star athletes does. He wants to know, hey, protect me as a quarterback. Let's focus on the passing. I've shown you what I can do. We have these stud wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. We have a good running back in Carson. We can run the ball when needed, but I also want to pass the ball. Uh, we see that with Josh Allen. If Russell Wilson got the same treatment as Josh Allen, 
this coming year, Russell Wilson would win the MVP because Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. Maybe not throughout the whole season this year, but give me Russell, DK, Tyler, over Stefan and Josh. I would. I would take that, and it would be insane if nobody else takes it. Uh, you might get some people take it over what they saw this year, but give them that offensive coordinator, those uh, schemes, and guess what? That offense is cooking each and every time. That's just how it is. And Pete Carroll either needs to adapt or he needs to get let loose. Because if he lets someone like Russell Wilson walk and get upset, get angry, this is not going to end well for Pete Carroll at all. His philosophy should be to tailor to Russell Wilson and his stars on offense. That's how it should be. There's no joke about it. That's how it is. Or else he's going to go. He's put it nicely to you. He wants help on the offensive line. Uh, He's probably expressed these concerns privately. This is probably not the first time he spoke on it. So yes, he made it public. Yes, he made that thing available about the trade request. Ask the Seahawks. Maybe he did ask them privately. Like, hey, if you don't get me the help I need, yeah, I'm going to want out. And Russell Wilson... He's a class act. I don't see him throwing a fit or anything. He loves it in Seattle. Uh, He just won Walter Payton Man of the Year. He does so much for the community of Seattle and the Children's Hospital up there. Russell Wilson is just a class act, and he is beloved by all Seattle fans. All of them. There's not one Seattle fan who says, you know what, Pete Carroll, trade Russell Wilson. No. The get rid of Pete Carroll... Get an offensive guru in here that'll run with Russell Wilson in his talent. Because guess what? Russell Wilson has 10 years left at that. At that. It could only be 5-7. to seven. He's 32 years old. He's not getting any younger. He doesn't want to take that kind of abuse anymore because he takes hits, sacks, pressures all the time. If you watch Seahawks teams like I do every year, every week, And we saw Patrick Mahomes on a national level face that kind of pressure that he did against the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, against the Bucks, and he was running out of the pocket scrambling and really all making jokes on that offensive line. Well, guess what? Watch a Seahawks game, and you will see that every single week. You will see Russ make crazy throws, crazy plays. Because his offensive line doesn't help him. They are the weak link, the weakest link on this team by far. So he's asking for help, and he's not wrong in asking for it. And if he doesn't get it, I think he should leave. Uh, He should want to get out and go to a place that will protect him and treat him like a star. He gets paid like a star. He gets paid the big bucks. He can have that kind of input. He deserves it. Let Russ cook. And if you don't want to let Russ cook, let Russ walk. Those are going to be the only two options that are left with if you don't deal with this issue right now. So don't make the wrong decision, Seattle. Don't do it. Russ is the guy. 
Don't do anything stupid. Cater to Russell. He's proven how good he is. He can lead you to a Super Bowl if you have a good offensive line and you shore up your issues on defense, but not prioritize him over Russell, because why would you do that when you pay him the star money? Next. Last time on this podcast, I went over the best teams I expected, potential best teams, going into next year. Now, who do I think will be the worst team? And this was really a toss-up between the Texans and the Lions. And I have to go with the Texans. And it was tough, because I think the Lions are going to be terrible. They downgraded a quarterback. They could be losing players, but I think they might get a stud like Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith in the draft at wide receiver. Uh, to me, they have more potential on defense than the Texans. And the reason I picked the Texans is because I am picking, uh, or I am predicting Deshaun Watson to leave Houston in one form or the other, or not, he doesn't play. And without Deshaun Watson, with Deshaun Watson this year, uh, he was one of the best quarterbacks, and they went, what, 4-12, and 5-11? and 11. That's how bad they were. They were bad. Without Deshaun Watson, who was up there in passing yards, QBR, completion percentage, you get rid of that guy, you ain't improving. You get rid of him, and you're the worst team in the league. You are the worst team. You are the worst team by far. By far, that's how bad it would be uh, without Deshaun Watson there. I don't even want to think about how bad they'd be because you have the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Jets, you know, who pulled off a couple miracle wins. But without Deshaun Watson, you ain't pulling off a miracle win. You're not pulling off any sort of miracle uh, you go from losing in the divisional round to the Chiefs up 24-0 to to number one draft pick in the NFL in a matter of two years. Uh, that's insane. I can't believe that. Uh, I mean, I kind of can because the Jaguars did something similar. They were, you know, AFC championship game. Uh, one quarter away from beating the Patriots and moving on to the Super Bowl. And then now this year they are the, have the number one pick. So I do see that. But to me, the De- Texans are more drastic because the Texans had the better quarterback, Deshaun Watson. They had DeAndre Hopkins at a point. And uh, it just seems like nobody wants to play for Houston anymore. Nobody wants to give Houston any love. But that's all right. Only uh, only beyond, that's Beyonce's town, that ain't the Texans town. Next, what's next year's Super Bowl? I said, I need to do my preview. I need to do my pick, and it was halfway hard, I should say. Because in the AFC, I got the Chiefs representing no matter what. They're going to find a team to beat any team in the AFC. Nobody in the in AFC is of the Chiefs class at all. With Andy Reid, with Patrick Mahomes and company, uh, ain't nobody team, ain't no team beating the Chiefs anytime soon. The NFC is what's tough for me. Because you've got the Packers, you've got the Rams who have improved with Matthew Stafford. 
you've got the Seahawks, you got the 49ers who'll come back healthy. Oh, and you also have a defending champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And to me, it was hard because my two teams I had picked up were between the, or between the Rams and the Bucks, And I had to go with the Rams because I don't know about the Super Bowl. I might change it after free agency, but right now I have the Rams beating the, or the Chiefs beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. Those are my two teams, Rams, Chiefs. I have the Chiefs winning. And why do I have the Chiefs winning and the Rams going there? Rams beating the field in the NFC is because I have Matthew Stafford over Patrick Mahomes for next year's MVP. I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan. I know how great he is. I watch Lions games. Yes, what he does can be troubling on the field sometimes. Uh, Sometimes he makes that throw like, what are you doing? But most of the time, he's clutch, game-winning drives, throwing touchdown passes, throwing for a ton of yards, great stats. And in Sean McVay's system, that's going to translate to wins and translate to an MVP. That's what it's going to be. He is a great, talented quarterback, great arm, accuracy, all of the above, with the right system, with the right personnel around him. He is going to flourish into an MVP right before our very eyes. Uh... We are going to have people this past year comparing Matthew Stafford to, you know, Philip Rivers. Uh, Matthew Stafford's going to have a Philip Rivers esque career, whereas this year Matthew Stafford is going to have an Aaron Rodgers esque career next to his name, with what's about to happen with him winning an MVP, with a possible Super Bowl berth. Uh, my Super Bowl prediction that is the year I expect for Matthew Stafford in the Rams. I expect things to go very, very well for them. I really do. I think it is going to be great, and I cannot wait for the football season. I'm looking forward to talking about football with you on this podcast every single time I am on here, because I love football. It's the number one sport. That's why I always start with it. That's why I throw it in there so much. Because it is the best sport there is, is the NFL. Yes, that's an opinion. Yes, that's up for debate. But that's my opinion. This is Get Your Go. Next, let's move on to the NBA. And on the NBA, we have the Nets on a three-game losing streak. Most of that time on their losing streak has been without Kevin Durant. Kyrie said they're playing average right now after their little skid. They're just average. And you know what? I absolutely agree with him. Without Kevin Durant, this team is just average. Uh, They are not that good without KD. Because guess what? Losing KD doesn't help them defensively. They're already terribly defensively. So when you move their best offensive player take him away, yes, you're going to be just average with no depth, with those picks and players you traded away to get James Harden. James Harden ain't going to give you that defense 
Yes, he'll give you some like effort, toughness, but he ain't a defensive superstar. He ain't the two-way player like Kawhi Leonard is. He ain't in that echelon. He's just a scoring machine, one of the best scores the NBA has ever seen, and the best scorer since MJ. That's just how it is. You can put Steph Curry in that conversation. He's that good, yes. Uh, Kyrie, he's a stud. He's a superstar. Uh, But KD is one of the top three, top five players in the league. So without him, yes, this team will look just average. They will not have KD to just pull up, bail them out with shots because he is just that efficient. So until they have KD back, yes, they will continue to look just average. And it just shows how important KD is in terms of this team when we are talking about the NBA MVP race. Right now, the ESPN straw has him at four. And I agree with that. Uh, He's played good. He's played at an MVP sort of level. But to me, he's not on player like LeBron James level. LeBron with the triple dubs, almost night in and night out, double doubles, points, efficient. That's just who LeBron is. That's what we're accustomed to seeing in, um, what, year 18 is it now? Uh, It's just amazing watching him play the second greatest NBA player in the history of the game. Yes, LeBron James. You also have Joel Embiid playing on a superstar MVP level with the 76ers. Because of him, his defense, his offense... They are the number one team in the East. And Embiid can just do so much because of his height, his wingspan, his knowledge of the game, uh, getting rebounds, uh, playing just great defense, getting in the opposing team's defenders' heads, such as you know Giannis and AD. That's how good Embiid is. He can walk the, he can talk the talk, but then he can also walk the walk. Uh, another big man, Nikola Jocic, who's playing amazing. Uh, I thought Jamal Murray coming out of a bubble, he had he was a high hand. I'm like, oh, he's going to be in the MVP conversation next year. It could be Murray. But nope, steady goes the ship, and this ship rocks to Nicole, Nikola Jocic's little shimmy shuffle that he does. That his offense is just potent. He is so good. He's so much more than a center. He plays so much more uh, than a center. Uh, yes, he can improve his defense, uh, but his offense as a big man is just out of this world. That's all I can say about that. And then you have other big names in the MVP conversation, such as Kawhi Leonard, still just consistent. One of the best two-way players in the game. Paul George having a great year rebounding from the playoff bubble. He's been playing amazing. Steph Curry without Klay Thompson has put up huge, huge games. Huge, huge numbers and has looked sensational. Uh, And then the Geek Freak uh, is playing great as well. Both offensively and defensively. Still needs to get 
a three-point jumper to consistently go down to add to his repertoire. But he's playing well. And the debate is between LeBron and Joel Embiid for MVP right now. Of course, I have to go with LeBron. At his age, what he's doing, he's the best player in the game. There ain't no doubt about it. He's wearing the crown. Uh, it hasn't been taken to him from him. All these years, people want to talk about Kawhi taking it to him from him one year. Well, you can't take it from an injured player uh, because guess what? He didn't take it the year after when he was healthy. So when he's healthy, it's just LeBron versus the rest of the field. And right now, my money is on LeBron James. I love myself some LeBron James. But I do take one issue with LeBron James, and I'm going to get into that right now. I proclaimed he is the second best player in the NBA, uh, close to being number one. You know, I always have these debates on who should be number one, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. You know, then I watch some, rewatch some of The Last Dance, and that automatically changes my mind uh, instantly. But the one problem I have is you have so many people thinking LeBron's the GOAT. You have so many people thinking MJ is the GOAT. But the problem I have with LeBron is he is a self-proclaimed GOAT. I have an issue with that. You can't say you're the GOAT when it's disputed, when there's arguments on both sides. You cannot say... You're the GOAT. The GOAT is the greatest of all time. Uh, nobody like you before at all. Then there's no argument that comes close. That is why Tom Brady is the GOAT. Why? Simply put, he leads every winning category. Uh, so many statistical categories for a quarterback. Uh, he has seven Super Bowl wins, more than any other player, and frankly, more than any other franchise itself. He is the GOAT. We, I, also, I can also get into his intangibles, his decision, his playmaking ability, his longevity, onto why he has played so well till the age of 43, and he is the GOAT. Greatest of all time as an NFL player. That's who he is. Uh, NBA. You have Michael Jordan. Six rings. Six final MVPs. uh, Scoring champion so many times. All-NBA offense. All-NBA defense. Insane in the playoffs. Uh, Last, of course, he didn't end out well with the Wizards. But in his prime... He had the best prime of his life, those three peats back-to-back. That's how it is. But you also have uh, Bill Russell with 11 rings. So Kobe has more than LeBron. Uh, I think Magic Johnson has more. Shaq is tied with him. So I don't like him saying he's the GOAT, him proclaiming the GOAT when there's arguments for some other players. Uh, you don't hear Tom Brady say he's the GOAT. You don't see him on Instagram saying he is the, I'm the GOAT, I'm the GOAT, hashtag GOAT. Now he can. He can say it 
and it's an undeniable fact. Uh, people, all, everybody thinks that. Uh, people who didn't admit it, admit it now are saying he's the goat in human form. Brady looking in the mirror, and there's a goat. His name is now synonymous with goat. To me, MJ is a goat of the NBA for reasons I mentioned before, and I might in a later episode go into all the specifics on the why MJ is a goat, but you don't see MJ saying he's a goat, taking to Twitter, hashtag goat, going crazy, that he is the goat. Uh, after watching the last chance, I think he thinks that he's the greatest of all time, but he'll let others decide. And that's what it is. It's really a people's decision for who's the goat, unless it is undisputed like Brady. And even to a, to a lesser degree, Michael Jordan, you know, I've been in tennis, you know, you can, Roger Federer is a goat. Uh, to me, if Serena wins another title, which I'll get into in a little bit, she would be the goat. But I have a problem with self-proclaimed goats. Uh, it's not up to you to decide, LeBron, that you are the goat. I'm glad you think you are the goat, and I'm glad you have that swagger. And I'd be fine with, like, an occasional post or something, hashtag goat, but when it's constantly goat, goat knows goat, if you know, you know, goat, goat, goat. Uh, to me, it's just, in your brain, what you're trying to do is you're trying to reinforce to yourself and to all these people that, yes, you are the goat, and the more you mention your name with the word goat next to it, you'll be synonymous with it. It'll be Le Goat or LeBron Goat, Goat James, whatever you want to say. But that's not the case. But, you know, he has, I think, an issue that he has to remind himself daily that he's the goat, that he can't think about Bill Russell, he can't think about Michael Jordan. Yes, he may be chasing Michael Jordan. But he has an issue with not everybody thinking he is the GOAT and not everybody believing it. I believe he has an issue with that. He'd probably disagree with me and others will probably disagree with me because some do think LeBron is a GOAT. But to me, when you are the GOAT, you don't need to proclaim on Instagram that you are the GOAT. I don't need that. I can tell, other people can tell me that and they can back up their reasons. But to me, you don't need to remind me that you are the GOAT. That's going to go nowhere. Then, let's move on. Other news, uh, shifting away now from the NBA. Briefly going into NHL. We have a couple big games tonight. The Boston Bruins, uh, number one team in the East division going up against the Rangers. Bruins have looked so good lately. I picked the Rangers to beat the Islanders. I think it's I said blowout because it was me a three zero game, but the Islanders pulled the Uno reverse on me and won two zero. So I have to pick the Bruins tonight. I'll probably get reversed again. But I think it should be an exciting matchup. But I like the Bruins because just their team, the way they get along with Pasta and Brad Marchand and uh, Patrice Bergeron and Coyle and all the players that they have. I mean, they're just a well-McVoy. They're just a well-rounded team that plays well. 
So I can't pick against the Bruins tonight. Then you have a hot matchup in the Maple Leafs versus the Canadians. Maple Leafs looking like the best team right now, led by Matthews and Marner, going against a very well-rounded team, very complete, a lot of depth in the Montreal Canadiens with Weber and Denol and uh, Suzuki. I mean, they just look amazing. And I am so surprised. I mean, I shouldn't be because they beat my Penguins in the bubble. But they look so good this season. So that's a huge matchup. But I have to go with the Leafs. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be fun to watch. But I'm rolling with the Leafs. Then, after that, I have my top five teams in the NHL so far. And there's no order to this. Not going to put any order to it right now. But I've got the Golden Knights, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Montreal Canadiens, the Boston Bruins, and the Maple Leafs. All my top five teams. And it's crazy to think about it. Because four of these top five teams I just named, four of the best teams in the NHL, usually are in the same division. And this year, they're scattered out into three divisions. The Toronto Maple Leafs, the Boston Bruins, the Montreal Canadiens, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are usually all in the same division. Then the Atlantic, you have Tampa Bay usually at the 1, Boston at the 2, Maple Leafs at the 3, and Canadians down there at the 4 or the 5. And the wild card spot. So it is crazy to see them all in a different division, doing so well, uh, just leading it with Tampa Bay leading their division and the Central, uh, the Maple Leafs leading the Canadian division, the North with Montreal right behind them, and then Boston leading the East. It is insane. Now I wish they, we just had the regular divisions back so all of them could just duke it out in their own division and you know we don't have to worry about it in the playoffs. But it doesn't look that way. They all are playing super well, and it's crazy to see the Atlantic representing this uh, group so well. Uh, so I have to give my props off, of course, to me. I'm just going to go with the undisputed Maple Leafs connection with Austin Matthews, with Marner, with Tavares back there, and Nylander. Uh, they've looked good, and there's no denying that. Uh, of course, playoffs is a different story as they've struggled in the past. But as of right now, I have to give them their props. But we'll definitely question them when playoff time arrives. Then, college basketball. There's no huge top 25 matchups tonight. The big one, I think, was Baylor-Texas Tech or Baylor-somebody. And that one was postponed. So the other only top 25 matchup we have is like 25 Rutgers versus 15 Iowa. I expect Iowa to win big with uh, Luca Garza leading them. Uh, he's a tremendous player, and especially to me, probably the best player in the Big Ten. You know, you have Athens and Barron, uh, Dickinson, but Michigan hasn't played in a while. So I expect Iowa to get it done. Then tennis, you have the Australian Open. You have the Joker who won his match last night. Uh, Osaka won her match today. And then Serena Williams won her matchup too last night. And this is another GOAT conversation. To me, 
I can say she's a GOAT. She's the best tennis player I have ever seen. And the reason I say that is because of how dominant she has been. And she just has really, in the past 20 years, just has gone through a tear and really has had no huge rival. Uh, right now, as she's got older, she kind of has like Osaka. Naomi Osaka is a rival uh, to kind of beat her and go back and forth with, but she has never had that in her career. Uh, Maria Sharapova was not a real rival. She beat her handily. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki beat her continuously. The other Clevbev, or I forget what her name is, but she has continuously beat the competition. Uh, women have come and gone, and Serena is still standing. Standing strong, one shy of tying Margaret Court's all-time record, I think of 24 championships, or 24 Grand Slam titles. Uh, she is amazing. To me, she is the GOAT. But, you know, tying her and then maybe passing her, that would just, again, add to the undisputed and could just be the best tennis player of all time, uh, regardless of men or women. Uh, men, you have a tightly contested, you have Federer, you have uh, Nadal, the Joker, all in there. Uh, and none of their careers are over yet, so you don't know. But to me, Serena is number one, and she could be the best tennis player of all time. That's how great she is. That's how great Serena Williams is. Now, moving away from sports, I'm going to talk about a few stocks things. Right now, stocks, stock market, and I am in no way the financial advisor. I just love to invest and invest for fun. And make some money on the side. And today, the biggest gainer was... Let me get to it. Akinono Therapeutics had a huge day. Same with Biopath. But guess what? I got in on Sundial Growers. People were talking about that. So I got into it. I was a little nervous, trepidation... And then I sold it once it got to a certain point. When it got to 280, I continued its climb, got all the way to $3, then dropped back down to 295, and it's doing great after hours. Uh, so is Naked Brand. But other than that, a lot of other things are in the red, but it is enjoyable to kind of play this little stock market game. It is definitely fun. So we'll definitely see. What comes out and what leads coming in tomorrow, they'll definitely lead it up. And to me, the reason why Sundial did so well is because it's volume over $2 billion active today on it. That's just insane. Uh, not even an AMC's top prime shift or naked brand did it reach as high as a volume as uh, Sundial did today. So I'm upset. I sold it, should have kept it an extra day, but, you know, I'm not worried about that at all. I'm here for a good time. Now, movie reviews. My previous reviews, I did Hillbilly Elegy and The Little Things. I've only added to my movie watching list 
and I've watched three more since then. The first one I've watched was The Sound of Metal. Riz Ahmed is up for a Golden Globe and a SAG for Best Actor. And he really played the part in that movie. He was amazing. He did played it so well. Uh, a man who is a drummer and ends up kind of going deaf, losing his hearing. He's in a this deaf home, deaf community. Then he's up built. He's in a good spot, but he misses his girlfriend and playing drums. So you know he sells everything to get hearing implants. And uh, the film is left open ended, not knowing how happy he really is with the decision that he made. But he was excellent in that movie. The depth of his performance, his acting, was incredible. Uh, it was sincere. It felt so real. And I felt like I connected him and the deaf community. It was brilliant. Next movie I watched was The Trial of the Chicago 7. The Sacha Baron Cohen nominated for a supporting actor nom. And then this is also Best Picture worthy as well in both award ceremonies. And it lived up to the hype. Didn't know anything about it going in at all. Just knew it was about some Democratic National Convention. And the trial of the Chicago 7 was great. Aaron Sorkin did an amazing job writing, directing this movie, uh, crafting this movie, the setup, all the characters. I know Sacha got a nom, but you know Joseph Gordon-Levitt does, Mark Rylance, Eddie Raymond. I mean, they are all spectacular. Uh, this cast was amazing. An A-list cast. They all played amazing roles with a lot of heart, expressed it all. And really got it captured from, again, director Aaron Sorkin, who did so well uh, developing this case in different days on the trial and what happened. And really didn't, to me, didn't seem like he played a side, wasn't favoring one you know, political party. But because of the unrest that happened near the end of the Nixon era and what happened with the DNC candidate. But it was a great movie to see people you know, come together, especially at the end like that. It was moving. Then, I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And that was different, better than I expected. And I thought, you know, maybe traveling. She's a mother of a blues, this great singer. And she had an amazing voice. Viola Davis played her great up for an Oscar nom. Chadwick Boseman up for an Oscar nom. And... This film was better than I expected. Uh, it was different because I expected them, you know, traveling to place to place, playing the blues. But it was really just this one day in the recording studio. Uh, the depth of Viola Davis's performance, Isma was, you know, great. But to me, Chadwick Boseman really stole the show. Uh, oh man, I can't find the word at the moment. But he was all over the place. In his role, uh, he was singing, uh, dancing, making music, uh, hitting up with a girl. I mean, he just did it all. The surprise ending at the end. I knew nothing about the story. Nothing if it was true or not. And uh, 
the ending was insane. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Stop listening now if you don't want to hear the spoiler. But when Chadwick killed, or uh, yeah, Levy is Chadwick killed Toledo at the end, that was insane. I was not expecting that he had just a mental breakdown and, you know, couldn't handle uh, anything. He was he was just so distraught about the songs and then, you know, the white group at the end performing his songs. But that was insane. I had to do a double take on that. But this movie was definitely amazing. Chadwick deserved his nom, but so did Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal. So that, to me, of the two I've seen, that battle between... Uh, Riz and Chadwick will be great, but I'm also looking forward to watching more nominated movies and keeping up with them and reviewing them on this podcast. Now, of course, is the last Get Your Goat segment, and to me, uh, I kind of already made my Get Your Goat take in the show, my final take, but I'll just reinforce it. I think Matthew Stafford is going to win MVP this coming year. He's going to win it, and his name will be cemented. He might win that Super Bowl, and if he does, it'll be cemented on that rock next to Aaron Rodgers. That's the type of season I expect from number 9 in L.A. He fits the bill. He's going to get it done. Love you, Matthew Stafford. Let's get it. Prove me right. Let's do it. I'm Josh Morani. This has been the Get Your Goat Podcast. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. Bye.